But if you imagine every day or every hour slamming your your fingers in a car door, that's that's you know it could be what it feels like for some for some cats. This is Defender Radio. Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bears. Cat declawing sounds like a reasonable way to prevent damage to furniture and homes and keep cats who may be given to shelters with their families. But the facts and science simply don't support any of it, and declawing isn't even what a lot of people think it is. In this special report, I connected with Dr. Margie Shirk, a veterinarian who specializes in feline medicine and surgery and wants the College of Veterinarians of British Columbia to outlaw the practice. According to a CBC article, nearly 80% of BC vets who responded to a survey support a ban on decline, and 62% already stopped conducting the procedure themselves. Dr. Shirk is hoping that greater public awareness on the truth about cat decline and support for a petition she has created will push the college into moving forward with a ban, something that happened in Nova Scotia just last December. Links to the petition and more are available on the show notes for this episode and at thefurbears.com. This special report is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash defenderradio to help the show grow and increase our audience and gain access to exclusive content. The obvious place to start is with what cat declawing is. I think this is something that's talked about a lot more now, probably with, you know, the advent of social media, but I, I still see people not really understanding it. So could you explain what the process actually is? Absolutely. Uh, so declawing a cat, well, when you think about, you're thinking about, you think you're, what's happening is removing the nails. But in fact, because unlike uh, the way nails are in people, where the nails are a, uh, essentially an offshoot, as it were, uh, of skin, um, and they come out of the skin, uh, a bed in skin, the nails in cat are actually attached directly to the bone of the last um, part of their, I'll use the term finger just to make it uh, analogous. And so when you am, when you um, declaw a cat, you actually amputate, you have to amputate each finger at the first or the last, if you, depending on how you want to look at it, um, uh, the, the last uh, on the, from the hand way down, knuckle. So that means that declawing a cat is equivalent to amputating all 10 fingers. And if you have their back feet uh, declawed as well, then that's um, another eight toes because cats have four on each hind. So it's actually uh, 10 amputations. So if you think about, so the, the bone is, is cut or the, um, the joint between the last knuckle and the middle knuckle is, uh, that's where the bone is, is removed. And that means that tendons are cut and of course nerves are cut. And because of severing those things, there is going to be, it doesn't matter how good the pain relief has been both you usually to, to do this correctly you need to give um, uh, a pain, a pain relief before the surgery you need to do nerve blocks uh, during the surgery and continue um, analgesic or pain medication during the surgery as well as for many days 
after the surgery, uh, because if the uh, that gives you the best chance um, of not having chronic pain. But even then, it isn't uh, guaranteed that your cat won't be in chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Now, my I have a lot of people. Uh, I've heard a lot of people comment either directly to me or uh, that other people have heard uh, that well, their cat doesn't. It uh, is perfectly fine. He doesn't experience any pain. She doesn't experience any pain. Um, acts normally, etc. The difficulty is is that we don't ask our cats to catch a frisbee, go for walks with us, go for runs with us, these sorts of things. Cats, when they are in discomfort, they just become very quiet. And um, as cats tend to, tend to uh, or they become aggressive. And the uh, so I'll talk about personality and behavioral changes in in a moment. But uh, if you query people closely, they may say that well, yes, they don't quite jump as high as they used to, um, uh, and and subtle things like that. But if you imagine every day or every hour slamming your your fingers in a car door. That's that's you know it could be what it feels like for some for some cats. Um, additionally, people with amputations, um, uh, uh, phantom pain is very very common. That that feeling that you still have um, the that the part of the limb or part of your body that's been removed, and you um, and uh, we have we do have no way of knowing. But given that the neurological pathways in cats are the same as they are in people, there's no reason to think that cats, uh, some cats might not experience that as well. It sounds like one of the problems is that we simply can't ask the cats. Uh, and that sounds flippant and it's really not meant to be. No. Uh, because I feel that, uh, and I'm a dog person, you know, listeners of the show know that, although I have nothing against cats. And one of the things, like with a dog, if they are, uh, they have a, an amputation, it's a process for them to come back from it. It's not just an immediate, okay, I expect you to be okay. Why do we expect that cats would just sort of be okay? What What is the, the, the I don't know, is there some kind of dissonance there? Yeah, they, certainly. What, I think that what people uh, expect is that because they don't view it as a serious procedure, it's really interesting because for the very same people, if you were to discuss removing a, a limb because of a cancerous growth, they might be very hesitant. Uh, they might, and they certainly would recognize that this is a, a huge deal, but so is amputating fingers, and people just don't see it as a big deal. They just see it as, oh, well, I guess it's because they think it's just nails rather than mm-hmm. that it's that it's actually amputations. I wanted to ask, are you aware, is there a, a history to cat declawing? Like, did it start at yeah. a certain time for a certain purpose? It started in, it was first published in 1952 by an American veterinarian. It was published in the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association just as an article about declawing cats, removing the nails of cats. And prior to that, it was not done. It was unheard of. We need to focus more on um, uh, it, uh, on t- uh, making it easy for people, helping people learn how easy it is to, uh, to trim cats' nails. Oh, she hasn't met my cat. Well, yeah, I pro- maybe not yours exactly, but I, I bet you met us met one exactly like yours or, 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 or harder because it's it's about they're frightened for heaven's sakes cats need their nails to the, to mark their territory 
and they need their nails to defend themselves. And if they don't, so they will continue, even if they're declawed, to quote-unquote scratch, like they rub the, the cat tree uh, with their paws, because they need their, de- their depositing scent from their pads. It's a pheromone from their pads. Huh. But they also need to, yeah, it's part of their part of their marking strategy, but they also um, y- use their claws to leave visual marks, too. So it's very, very important. And they, and they it helps them stretch their muscles throughout their body. It's a really great stretching exercise. It looks like it anyways. Plus, they seem to enjoy it. And it also removes the, the dead sheaths uh, from their from their nails. Um, uh, but it's it's uh, so it's it, it, there there are so many things we, we need to teach people about why nails are so important to cats. That they are integral to who a cat is. And if you want to have a cat, then you take all of the cat. You know, you need to provide for their um, their catness. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you otherwise get a doll that's shaped like a cat. Okay. Um, if you uh, that we want to teach people about how to trim nails, that by rewarding a cat for each uh, by you know being very calm yourself uh, when you're doing it and giving a cat a treat for every single nail until eventually they're really uh, that as you trim it eventually as you uh, and somebody's get you know stroking the cat at the same time making it you know and and if you only get through three and then the kitty you know decides to head tail it fine the next time you do four and the next time you do two and the next time you do five and gradually it becomes a positive experience and then you can start decreasing the number of treats so you don't end up with a blob and so that it's you know one per paw or something like this um, and then how to purchase an appropriate scratching surface it needs to be something that's stable something that doesn't sway or 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 slide because um, uh, when a cat is stretching and scratching you know you don't want they don't want to be losing their balance uh, that it needs to be a, a really nice surface a, a putting catnip on the scratching post um, it can be helpful there's also a product that's now available in Europe but is coming to Canada this year uh, called Feely Scratch, F-E-L-I Scratch, um, that is, a, 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 again, a pheromone. It's like the, the one on their pads that you apply to the s- scratching surface um, to encourage them to scratch uh, uh, on, that, on that surface. Where you put the scratching um, post is really important, too. It's, uh, it, it needs to be somewhere that the cat likes spending time. It's not, you know, it's not something you put in the, in the spare room unless the, the, the cat likes being in there. You don't put it in the, in the laundry room or, or, or the ilk. You put it in a, in a social space. If a cat is scratching the sofa, put a scratching post beside the sofa. And because clearly that's an important, important part of territory that needs to be marked. So if you can ask, say to them, hey, I got it. You need to scratch here for some reason. Could you please scratch two inches to the right? And then in the meanwhile, you make the surface of the sofa, the, the, the upright part of the sofa, um, uh, less pleasant. You could do that in a number of ways. You can put two-sided tape on it just for the interim until they've, they've shifted over to using the uh, the pos- the uh uh, scratching tree that you want them to use. You can also put a piece of slippery fabric over the arm of the sofa with a, an empty can, a pop can or something that's got some some um, pebbles in it so that when they go to scratch the fabric, the 
can falls over and it makes an, a clattery noise and they run away. It needs to be something that isn't just a, hey, get away from there. Negative reinforcement doesn't work unless it happens whether or not you're around and it's never preferable to positive reinforcement. So if you get the cat to um, just operant conditioning, the cat uses the scratching post because it's a, it's a pleasant thing to do and it smells right and all that sort of stuff. Plus if you, uh, then if there's a, you know, a way to go, you know, I really appreciate it. Or if they start scratching along on the arm of the chair, you move them, you, you just, you know, say, pick them up lovingly and, you know, not a, no, you don't, um, you, you know, pick them up lovingly and move them to where you want them to scratch. Now, the, so these are, this is, we also need to spend time talking with people about um, uh, nail caps. There's these things called soft paws that you can yeah, yeah. Uh, glue on their, on their nails as well that, um, but you still have to be able to trim their nails because it doesn't stop the nails from growing. But, uh, so that's a, that's, you know, part of it, but not, um, not, not all of it. So those are things we, we, uh, we need, we need to be doing. I saw people having this debate because it was the article, uh, that you're featured in from the CBC, um, on early or mid January, I'll get the date. It's the 17th. Um, and, uh, it got shared around a lot of circles and I saw some people saying, if cats can't be declawed, they'll end up in shelters more. And what you're saying is shelters have told yourself and other advocates is that that's actually not a significant issue. That's actually not true. And I'll, I'll tell you here exactly for uh, what, what um, Amelia Gordon, who is the, uh, um, she's a veterinarian at the BCSBCA in Vancouver at the hospital there, and she's the, the senior manager. And let me just find her quote. Here's what, what we can say, and this is a quoting from Dr. Uh, Emily. We can say is there's no scientific evidence that decline helps keep cats out of shelters. Hmm. There is no evidence for that. So I, I think that that's, you know, a really important myth to dispel uh, as well. To sign Dr. Shirk's petition asking the College of Veterinarians of British Columbia to ban cat declawing, visit the links in this week's show notes or at thefurbears.com. This special report was brought to you by the Defender Radio Patreon. You can help the show grow, reduce costs to the fur bears, and educate thousands more on issues of wildlife, domestic animals, the environment, and more by becoming a patron all while gaining access to exclusive content. Just visit patreon.com slash Defender Radio to learn more. That's it for this special report, folks. Thanks for listening. Check out Defender Radio on Facebook and Twitter at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael to find out what I'm working on and see cute pictures of my dogs. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears reminding you to stay informed and stay strong. Stay strong.